The million dollar question, how do entrepreneurs transition from self-employed to owning a business that turns a profit? My name is Chris Waters, and this podcast has the million dollar answer. Welcome to CEO Secrets. Hey guys, it's your host, Chris Waters. Welcome to CEO Secrets. Extremely excited to have Terrence Murphy on the show today. Um, Before I get too much into your intro, for people listening to this, what is just absolutely fascinating is um, I didn't know who Terrence Murphy was when I met him. He was in, he came down to Austin with his uh, wife. They've got a beautiful family in College Station. My director of sales in Austin, who is a big Green Bay Packers fan, um, and where's the cheese head during the game? She's like, <laughs> got a guy coming in from, he's a former NFL player of the Green Bay Packers. And I'm like, man, who is this guy? And then, and then I start talking to him, and he's this humble, humble guy, low key. And um, I'm like, you know, like, oh man, this like super rich guy's coming in. He's gonna like try to, you know, want to. He's gonna want to learn how to build a real estate business. And we go to dinner, and I start listening to him talking. And then he's like, yeah, we sold 500 plus homes last year. We manage hundreds and hundreds of properties. I own hundred. I don't even know how many properties. <laughs> and um, oh, by the way, very little of that came from your, you know, any financial benefit you had of being in the NFL. Yep. And so anyways, I'm just, I feel privileged to have uh, Terrence Murphy on the show. Unbelievable human being, great family man. Terrence, welcome to CEO Secrets, man. You, you are a leader in this industry and more people need to know who you are. Appreciate it, bro. Like you said, um, you know, I'm always looking for people to, to motivate me and inspire me and you did that. So that's why my wife and I reached out to try to connect because I was like, I got to know this guy. We got a lot in common. We're both young. We're both getting after it. I think the thing I realized is it's kind of like when I played in East Texas, I played in a small town and I was only a two-star recruit. So when I came to AM, I'm coming in AM with all these five-star guys. But when I got on the field, yeah, obviously I could play just as well um, as those guys. But yeah, man, I think I, I'm at a place now, guys really trying to put me out there in front of some people and tell my story and hopefully inspire them. I mean, what's, what's amazing when we connected is we know a lot of the same people, but we never cross paths. And um, for anybody that lives in College Station, Brian, in that region, they definitely know you because you, you have a massive business there. I mean, you are a juggernaut in that town. And um, so anyways, I, I appreciate you letting me be on your show. For anybody tuning in to the um, uh, podcast right now, uh, be sure to check out The Real Estate Entrepreneur. I um, just recently started getting uh, acquainted with your show some pretty amazing type of guests you have on there that I think kind of can open up the box for how real estate agents think and the type of business owners and leaders you get in there. But um, man, I want to, I want to learn more about you. You know, these are things I was, I I didn't, we didn't really get into when we met in person, but um, so you grew up in Texas, where in East Texas did you grow up? Yeah. So I was born and raised in uh, outside of Tyler, a small town, a country town called Chapel Hill, you know, grew up with a single mom, four kids, very humble beginnings, but my mom taught us a couple of things. My mom was really athletic and she was a sharp individual, really good with numbers. And I think I inherited those traits from her, um, the athleticism, but really just liking numbers and liking, just liking fast paced stuff. So she was hard on us, you know, because when you got a single mom, she's the mom and the dad. And we, I had a stepdad kind of in and out of my life, but I always kind of attribute everything to her. I had older brothers who, who were hard on me. I'm the baby, so I kind of had to go through a lot of tough love, and it made me tough. And yeah, man, so I'm from East Texas, and then obviously, you know, came, came how, in. 
How old are your um, How old are your brothers? How much? They're all, how old are, how old is everybody? They're all 10, 15 years older than me. Oh wow! So you are the youngest. Yeah, I'm the baby. What are your siblings doing? Like, what do they do in their careers of living? And uh, one's a trucker. One's a, a probation officer. Um, nobody's in the. Nobody's doing business with me though, and I keep trying to tell them, come down to College Station, help me run my companies, and I think at some point they will. But uh, nobody's in real estate. Did you did you have anybody in your family that you know that's like somewhere in the lineage, if you will, that um, has the entrepreneurial bug? No, man, I'm the first entrepreneur. I mean, my grandfather had a farm, but other than that, it's it's me. Um, so yeah, I, I think I'm the only guy. You and I have similar backgrounds. We haven't talked about this. I grew up seeing a mom. You know, we moved about a dozen times by the time I entered the fifth grade. My mom had been remarried by the time I was 12 years old. Amazing, amazing woman. My mom, you know, uh, before she retired was a hospice nurse. And, um, you know, I tell my mom, like your empathy score is off the Richter scale. And so, you know, she sees the good in everybody. And, uh, you know, and that's, you know, it's a double-edged sword. Yeah. So anyways, it's cool to know that. Um, do you mind if I ask, have you connected with your dad? Was he a business owner, you know, entrepreneur kind of type of football, athletics, anything like that? No, man, it's me, man. It's all got I'm first generation college graduate, first generation entrepreneur. I've actually started my first business when I was 12. What was so that? Yeah. Was business, bro. So I had a lawnmower business and my mom, I told you, she didn't, she obviously saw something in me and she always told me, you can truly do whatever you want to do, son. Uh, just put it into work and do it the right way is what she would always tell me. But yeah, I had a lawnmower business. And so since we didn't have a truck, because obviously my mom wasn't driving a truck, we had a car, a Pontiac, she would, you know, we raised the trunk. We put my lawnmower in the back, the long one that you get behind, and we tie a string between uh, that and the bottom of the car to keep it closed. And she'd take me to the city of Tyler, which is the, the bigger city that's around us, and drop me off. And uh, crazy thing, I had a family doctor office, a dentist office. I had commercial buildings. I didn't have houses. I had commercial. I had a commercial portfolio. And I didn't realize that was a big deal at the time because I was just getting after it. And I told my mom, I said, Hey, I want to start my own business. I want to start a lawnmower business. She said, well, we're going to the doctor today. Ask them. And I went in and she said, but you need to be prepared. So I put my pitch together. And when I showed up to the doctor's office, I was like, Hey, you know, I'm starting my business and they let me do it, man. So the crazy thing is I would mow, I would mow these properties. We'd eat everything, trim them, pull weeds, bag them, whatever. And then I sit up under the tree and wait on her to come back to get me because I didn't have cell phones back then. And, um, we're from the country. So she would go back home and I would sit under the tree and wait for her to come get me. So I've always kind of been an entrepreneur and I've always been a lone wolf. I've never had to have people come along with me on my journey. I don't mind. I don't mind blazing out there with faith in God and just doing it. Yeah. That's great, man. That's awesome. That's so cool. Well, um, when you were going to AM, and uh, by the way, the A&M is an amazing place, by the way. I went there this past weekend to go to Santa's Wonderland I waited in line about 45 minutes and then I bailed out. I was like, I'm not waiting two more hours, but um, it's, such a, it's such a tight, I'd never been there before. It's such a tight knit community. and i such a unique place, man. Y'all, y'all like your whole freshman year, it's like you learn all these chants and stuff. Is that right? Yeah, it's serious, man. And like my wife went to UT, obviously she went to UT in Austin and she's like, it's like a cult. Right. And, uh, but we say in AM on the outside looking in, you don't understand it. Right. But on the inside looking out, you get it. And so um, it's a different place um, and they got a lot of traditions, a lot of, we have a lot of traditions and we have a lot of things that we stand for, but 
I loved it just because it's a military school. It's uh, And if I didn't play football, I planned on going to the military. I wanted to be an Army Ranger. Um, but it's also a country kind of ag type place. And that's that's where I'm from in East Texas. So it just made yeah. sense for me. So at AM, these traditions, you know, a lot of this speaks to developing culture within an organization. And um, I'm kind of curious, was there anything you took away at your time at AM that, um, you know, you integrated into your business? Because you've got, you know, you got a lot of employees working for you, lots of people. Like, what do you, on the culture side of things, is there, I'm just out of curiosity, because I think AM does it better than anybody yeah. of, of all the universities out there. Is there anything you took from AM that uh, you've integrated into your business? For sure. I mean, you can't help but be impacted by this place. And especially when you bled on that field, on Kyle Field, right? And, um, you know, I was I was a two-time team captain my last two years. And I didn't win the Heisman like Johnny Manziel, obviously, but I was the face of a and football my junior and senior year. I was the team captain, the top draft pick. When people came, 100,000 people packed in that stadium and they wanted to see what Terrence Murphy slash T. Murphy is what they used to call me. What is he going to do to help us win today? So I at an early age, I learned to carry the burden of carrying a whole program. And so when I went to start my businesses, I could lean on those experiences knowing that I was the leader of this organization and I carried the burden of that every week. No matter where I went and where I ate or wherever I interacted, I had to be under that microscope. So when it came time for me to become an entrepreneur, I took those experiences and I took the core values that a and stood for and I modeled it my company a lot after that, for sure. You think the entrepreneurial bug is a genetic thing or do you think it's something you you learn and you're, you know, you pick up on out of necessity? Like what's your opinion on that? Like your your kids, for example, will you, you know, push them to be entrepreneurs or are you just, you know, gonna try to figure out what their strengths are and double down on them? Like, where's your head at when it term, comes to like your kids, for example, and being an entrepreneur and a leader? Yeah, with the babies, we always tell them, you know, we got the three kids and we always tell them, look, at the end of the day, you know, you need to have faith in where, you know, what, you, what you're what you trying to achieve and where you're trying to go. We do tell them all the time, don't just go to college and get a degree to get it. We're already talking to them about financial literacy and they do understand that they at any point in time can come work for mom and dad's companies. Because um, obviously at this point we, we have multiple companies. Um, but we don't put that pressure on them. Like we want it to be a cool place. So like right now, like we have this snack bar at our office and they come in and they get to eat and hang out. And and, and we've already actually, our 10 year old, we hired her already. So she's already working at our company. But yeah, she's our oldest. And so we got her working in the business a couple months out of the year in the summers for a couple hours, just trying to get her to understand because trying to teach her the concept of money and spending and, you know, you know how kids are. They, they want this, they want that. And we're like, save your money because her goal is she's very creative. And um, it's funny, they I used to draw a lot and I'm really creative. And so they kind of got that gift thing. So now I'm trying to really encourage it. So she's trying to get her own camera and start a little photography business. And so, yeah, man. So we're just trying to teach them to just follow their passions and um, try to use the gifts that God has given them and, and always be confident in themselves. So for all the CEOs and key leaders listening to this podcast today, and specifically people that have kids, what's like the greatest secret when you have the ability to give them anything and everything? How do you keep them humble and keep them focused on, you know, the core values that are going to set them up for success in life? I'll tell you what we, what we've done with our kids. Um, we, we, we tell all kids they got to play in sports. We, even if they're not good or they're good or what, none of that matters. We just want them to be in a sport because it teaches you a lot of life lessons. 
Um, like Taryn just um, had a really good year of first year in softball. This year, she had some ups and downs. And the last game of the year, she ended up getting out to like lose the game, right? And she cried and bawled, right? But that's, you know, but we were able to talk through that on the way home and talk to her about how that translates to life and things happen and, you know, trials and tribulations come up. So we, all our kids have to be in sports. Um, we also uh, do family huddles on Sunday nights. So it's like, one of the things that really hit me is I look at how much time I give other people and I'm at home every night now. I don't work late. I get home about 5.30. Heck, I even be my, my wife home with the kids sometimes. But, um, but one of the things I realized is I wanted that focused, dedicated time. So on Sunday nights, we have a thing called family huddle. No different than sales meeting, no different than team huddle. And we meet for an hour. We read scripture. We have three questions we ask them. One is, is there something that's going on in your life that we need to talk about? And, it, and, and we don't let them say no, like they have to tell us something. And then the other one is, is there something in your life that we need to know about that we can help you with? And is there something going on in your life that we need to pray about? We read our scripture, we go over those three questions. We have our family core values, we do that. And then we always close it out with prayer and then we play a game. So we have like these little snowballs. They look like snowballs, they're like these little pillow balls. We play snowballs or we do something and we try to just finish with something fun. And it's been just a way to connect with them on Sunday nights going into the week to keep them inspired and motivated. When did God become a big part of your life? I mean, it's crazy. Um, you know, I always say God's been a part of my life. My mom had us in the church from day one. But, you know, as kids and as young adults, hell, we all fall short of, of that, right? We're all sinners saved by grace. But um, after I got injured, you know, I, you know, I had the real bad neck injury with the Packers. I got paralyzed in that scenario. And so I recommitted my just my hey, just for no for people that are listening that don't know you, um, you graduated from AM, top draft pick, go to the Green Bay Packers. You were uh roommates with the uh, backup to <laughs> Brett Farr, which is now the QB of the now Packers. The Hall of Famer. What's yeah. that? I said now Aaron's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. So Aaron, so you're roommates with Aaron Rodgers. And um, he's playing backup, and you're on the field playing. Yep. Yeah. I'm. I'm. Yeah. I mean, I have a really good career at Texas A&M. Um, you know, I get drafted in the first two rounds. I was two-time All-Conference, two-time team captain. One of the probably the things I'm most proud of at Texas A&M is I was three-time academic All-Conference, and I didn't make it my senior year because I, I was training for the draft and blah blah blah. But yeah, I go in the first two rounds. I'm playing with Brett Favre. I'm catching touchdowns. I'm doing really well. And five games into it, I have a neck injury, and I have to retire. But How yeah, bad was it? So you you you're paralyzed, right? Mm -hmm. Like, what was the deal? Are they telling you you're gonna ever gonna be able to walk again? Yeah, that's a it's a long story. Other than to say, it was a journey, bro. And in that journey, to be doing what I'm doing now, using my arms, um, talking freely. Um, I mean, I got under 325 the other day. Like I did 225 almost 20 times the other day. So I, you know, I got my strength back. So I'm just happy to be able to do normal things. I still have some issues out of my neck, but it's why I have so much sense of urgency, you know, cause I was at the height of not only college football, I was at the height of any pro sport playing with a hall of famer like Brett Favre, which at that time was the face of the NFL and boom, it was, it was over like that. So when people always ask me, why are you doing so much? Why are you pursuing so much? Why do you go after everything so fearlessly? Because when you've had that experience and you get there and it's over, or you walk through what it's like to come back and transition back through neck surgery and rehab and all that stuff to get back 
get back to semi-normal, you don't take anything for granted. And that's that's why I, I, I've always been a person that no matter what I'm doing or not doing, I'm always just gonna treat people like I wanna be treated. But the reason I like when I'm with someone, I'm 110 and engaged, cause I know that may, may be my last interaction with that person. So I always wanna make sure I'm giving them 110. From a financial perspective, the people you you met and whatnot in uh, NFL, Green Bay Packers, et cetera. I mean, I have to imagine for a high driver personality like yourself, that raises the bar from a financial perspective of where you want to be, even though it's at the end of the day, it's just a number for a high driver personality, but it like raises the bar because you're around guys that are what, how big was Aaron Rodgers payday? I mean, he signed a contract for over a hundred million dollars, right? He's at hundred million or something crazy like yeah. that. So it's like that kind of, you know, like they always say you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So we're your sphere of network, if you will, was are people in the NFL making tens of millions of dollars. And um, you weren't quite there yet because you were at the beginning of your career. You hadn't signed like some hundred million dollar contract. And so I don't want to ask you, like, was that one of the driving forces? But it's like, if I was you and I stayed in touch with those guys and I'm like hearing them, you know, and hanging out with them and they're signing these huge contracts and I'm feeling like I'm getting left behind, like, man, that would be a fire under my ass. Yeah. That has that been going on with you or? Yeah, I would say what really drove me wasn't even what they were making. It was what I knew I left on the field. You know, like I knew um, I could have been a great, like Aaron was my roommate and is doing so many amazing things, but I was already doing really well. So if you watch, you know, and that's not to say, you never know how it plays out, but I had a lot of potential that I left on the field. And my biggest thing that challenges me is when I saw Green Bay in 2011 holding up the Super Bowl trophy in Texas, in Dallas, that next morning I woke up and said, real estate's my Super Bowl. And I was depressed, shit, I even cried that night, you know? I was like, I'm supposed to be there with those guys. A lot of my teammates were standing there, dudes I got drafted with, Nick Collins and the list goes on, the guys, I'm like, I'm sitting here depressed, rehabbing, trying to figure out what I'm gonna do next with my life. And I just wanna encourage people out there, like whatever you go through, whatever you're going through, like, I learned that no matter who you tell and who do you try to get to help you, first off, communicate. Don't try to do it alone. But at the same time, there's gonna come a point in time where you you will have to do it alone. You will have to pick up yourself by your own bootstraps and say, okay, I'm gonna make something happen. And that competitiveness in me, when I seen them holding up that Super Bowl trophy, I didn't care about what they made at the time. It was just the fact that they were achieving something that I wasn't. And I was supposed to be there and I was like, okay, it's time. So that's what really was a piece of the motivation. It wasn't the entire, but that's when I realized, okay, it's time to let go of football. It's time to go be great in real estate. And that's when I attacked it and pursued it like nobody's business. Do you read a book that got you interested in real estate or what, what was it that what was the light bulb moment of like, Hey, let's go get in real estate. I mean, you could go, you could have gone and done anything. Yeah, man. Um, in 08 stock market hit. Obviously it got crazy. I had money in the stock market. Like I tell people all the time, I played football for 22 years for free. So when they say, oh, well you did this to make the money. I only got paid to play football one year of my life because I got drafted and I got injured the same year. So I had some money in the stock market. And when obviously I started watching it dwindle, like we all did in the, in, in the whole world, I called my financial advisor and I said, bro, you got to get my money out of the market. I need to do something different. And he challenged me. And say, what are you going to do with it? In like a typical 
you know, they think a 23-year-old kid, a 24-year-old kid would do is go blow it on stuff, right? And I said, no, nah, man, give me a couple of days. And I read Robert Kiyosaki, Who, Tooks my, Who Took My Money. In that book, um, the cash flow quadrant, the uh, you have to have a career, your money has to have a career. I really started trying to understand that model. And that's when I called him back. I, I read that book in like three days. I called him back and I said, dude, I'm invested in real estate. And that's, that's what started my journey. So I actually started as an investor. And I started buying up stuff around Texas a and I started redeveloping, rezoning. Um, I started tearing down and rebuilding whole blocks and renting it out. And a lot of times I would build it and then give it to a property manager to lease it and manage it. And they were not doing it up to the standard I wanted it done. And then people would always call me and say, hey, can you help me? Can you help me? I was like, I don't have a real estate license. And then that's when I got my license. And I was at Keller Williams for like a year and a half. Um, I did like six deals. I wasn't doing anything spectacular. And I said, you know what, if I'm going to do this, I want to be the number one agent in Central Texas. So then I went out that next year and I went from a $1 million agent. I read a lot of books. I read 38 books in 16 months, um, along with blogs and everything else. And that next year I grew my business. I went from six and then from six to 21 million all within like a year and a half by myself, no assistance, no website, no leads i didn't buy leads from zillow nothing i, I jumped to a 21 million dollar agent and shoot our average sales price was like maybe 200 000, 250 at the time just hustle bro just hustle that's fascinating so robert kiyosaki man i it's i bet that guy had a has had such a big impact he doesn't even know how big it is you will never on, know on on uh on the world but um the, the book you mentioned reading over 30 books any of those uh any books out there you'd recommend anybody that were you know uh memorable and had a big impact on you besides the rich dad poor dad yeah i would say fanatical prospecting is a good one jeb blunt yeah it's a good one he writes some good books sales gravy um also attraction gino wickman is a great book um what are you reading now right now i'm reading i just finished robert kiyosaki's new version uh why the rich get richer i'm reading that um i'm reading i just finished rocket fuel gino wickman's book yeah so i my, my wife <laughs> I get under her skin because I read like seven books at a time. Yeah. And she likes to just read one book and finish it in a couple of weeks. And I like to read like seven of them and never finish them now. So, but yeah, man, I'm just kind of, I'm up to 560 books in my library. And I just like opening them up, reading them. And I'll probably read halfway through it and I'll put it up and I'll read another one. I just kind of like having that freedom of going back and forth. What's the BHAG for you now? Yeah, man. So TM5. We're, we are at about 900 million in sales. We're finna, we're finna hit a billion in sales, which- In one year or in one year or aggregate since you started the company? Aggregate since we started it. Man, cool. if I was doing a billion in College Station, shoot, that's crazy. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, we only have like 1,300 agents here, but it's competitive because it's a small market. But um, yeah, so we're finna hit a billion in volume there. I'm, I'm working on trying to expand into other markets with expansion partners. I've been talking to people like you and Tim Howell and, Adam Hergen, Rother, Ben Kenny. So getting ready to expand, you know, I'm gonna expand the Terrence Murphy team. So that'll be my expansion team. We um, have our construction business. That's been going really well. But I guess the, the ultimate goal for me, one is to create multiple income streams. And, you know, if you look on my website, which we just rolled it out, terrencemurphy.com, people will see it and be like, gosh, this dude's got a lot going on. A lot of those, I'm just partners in some of those businesses and I'm helping coach the owner on how to scale his business. But my, my big, hairy, crazy goal is to, by the time I turn 40, be working three days a week. 
So I'm, I just turned 38 yesterday. So I got two years to get down to three days a week while I'm working. And on those three days, I'm going to get after it. But other than that, those other four days, it's going to be my faith. It's going to be my wife, my kids, my health, and then giving back to people and encouraging and inspiring them. That's really the ultimate goal for me. Are, are you a big um, morning routine guy? Like wake up early, get your day going? I am. Um, I get up every day, probably five o'clock. I just, it's just, I just wake up. I don't even have an alarm. I hadn't, I hadn't set an alarm since I retired from the NFL. What's your routine look like when you get up? Yeah, so I get up first thing. One of the biggest things I always try to focus on is TBS. Where's my time best spent? That's like a little acronym or whatever that I created, TBS. Where's my time best spent? And when I look back at some of the things that has helped me really propel my companies and propel myself, it's been when I do research. You know, just right, researching and finding you and your book and your company and reaching out to you. Like, I'm not afraid to reach out to people because I don't go into any relationship with ulterior motives or with assumptions. I just go into it with a genuine open heart. Like, hey man, let's connect. Let's talk real estate, let's talk shop. And if that goes somewhere, great. And then if not, you know, I, I appreciate meeting you. So research is what I do first thing in the morning. I, I, I'm, I get up and I, and that's the time I enjoy that the most. Just digging into looking at real estate projects or reading a book or reading, you know, different articles and studying the Wall Street and then looking at stocks and bonds. So I spend that time doing that in the morning. Then I get up, spend some time with the kids, get them off to school because I actually take the kids to school. I get back, try to get a workout. So I'm working out two days a week with a trainer and I try to catch the uh, Peloton two days a week jump in the shower and then I get to the office and I'm having level 10 meetings with my leaders. So my director of ops, my team leader, whatever, whoever's leading any organization in my sphere, they give me their scorecard. And my ultimate goal is to get all of my ventures on one scorecard. That means that I can look at Murphy Signature Homes, I can look at TN5 Properties and I can just see, okay, what are the things that we need to accomplish this week and is it getting done? And I just have one scorecard. Now it may look like a play call scorecard, but and then once I look through that, then I go back to, okay, here's the objectives and I really cast vision. So vision is I've learned is really important, casting the vision. Um, and then I try to connect over lunch with somebody that I'm either mentoring or somebody that's mentoring me. I'm really trying to do a better job of connecting with mentors. Um, and then after that, I try to get a little time with my wife talking about anything that we need with the family. And I'm not really out showing as much anymore. And then I check on jobs and then it's just relationship building in the evening. And then I try to get home and, you know, we got softball, soccer, flag, those kind of things. And really just trying to get home on time. So I don't, I don't work late at all anymore. Uh, I used to early in my career. When I, I want to shift gears for a minute, just talk about something from like a macroeconomic yeah. perspective. So um, you and I started our careers at about the same time. The market was horrendous. Lots of stuff failed to sell. I mean, it was probably the worst time to get into real estate. Um, and then obviously for both of us, it's, it was an incredible gift because we, we learned how to succeed in a terrible climate. So over the last decade, it's been very prosperous if you got started um, when things went bust. And as I'm reflecting on the past year and thinking about you know, what helped propel real estate specifically that asset class do so well, a lot of it has been the manipulation of the Federal Reserve with interest rates and quantitative easing. Yeah. Some some people might argue we're in, uh, not argue, I think it's, the bubble. we are in an asset bubble. Yeah. 
And um, I'm kind of curious, what are your, what's your crystal ball say on what the next decade looks like, um, specifically for the real estate industry, uh, given how low rates are and quantitative easing, money being jumped, you know, dropped into the economy, uh, unemployment still relatively low. Uh, obviously, a lot of people lost their jobs to COVID, but you know it's it's coming back pretty fast. Like, what's the next ten years look like? Yeah, like you said, we're printing money right now, obviously, um, which inflation and you know. So, one of the things I think is the brokerage model is going to evolve even more. You know, there was billions of dollars put into the real estate tech startup space over the last thirty six months. And obviously there's companies that are raising crazy money right now. Obviously, you know, those companies, we, we know those companies. Um, but I think at the end of it all, the foundation of our industry is still going to be based on the value proposition that we provide to our clients and then the value proposition that we provide to our agents. And so the biggest challenge I'm really focused on as a broker owner and a team leader is how am I keeping my agents trained? How am I creating value to them? And not just like BS stuff, like hoorah stuff. Like how am I really bringing value to them? Like, you know, we, we just started a, a transaction coordinator team because we have some agents. We got about six to eight agents that are right at that 10 million mark, but they don't want to hire an assistant. And so what I'm really focusing on is how can I look at the pain points that they have and how can I solve it with a value proposition that no one in my market is doing? Those are the kind of things that I'm really focused on. That's the value I see for broker owners. Um, but I think no matter which way the market is going to pivot in the next 12 to 24 months, in my opinion, it's either going to get even hotter and it'll be like 2016 again. And that's going to create a problem because there's a lack of inventory. We're already seeing that out West. Um, and then, or it's going to get stale and a lot of people will start dropping out of the industry. Cause obviously when the market gets tough, people leave and it's kind of like 2008, 9, 10, 11. So I think either way, this gravy train that we're on has got to stop at some point. And we either got to get ready for the competitive market because there's no inventory and there's multiple offers or it's going to, it's going to slow down. And there's a, there's a, there's a bubble we're sitting in for sure. So your opinion is real estate prices are at an all time high. Yep. Um, at some point in the near future, we're going to be having to get off this train and uh, deal with, you know, a declining market. You're, you're in Texas. I'm in Texas. We got, a, there's a lot of employers leaving California and other other states that have state income tax and are, are moving people here. Do you think the state of Texas may be kind of shielded from what's what could go down from a macroeconomic perspective? Yeah, that was one thing I was thinking about as we were talking, obviously, with Tesla and Apple. and I mean, even small towns like us are picking up big companies, bro. Uh, I mean, Donald Trump named us specifically in his in, in a press conference he had a couple weeks ago about you know the vaccines and um, COVID vaccines. So there's a company here that's taking the lead on that and they're, lo they're located in College Station. They're actually putting their headquarters here. So I think the state in general is just a great state, low taxes, great living, great cost of living. Um, we're starting to be more entrepreneurial. So what Governor Abbott is doing, he's enticing these businesses to come here. So I think that is what I'm saying as the market may shift in, in other places, I think we're still gonna have a lack, we're gonna have a lack of inventory in some of our markets, especially in Austin. Yeah. And as a realtor, you know this as well as I do, um, that's great for sellers, but it's not great for that many more people other than sellers and builders and developers, but everybody else is gonna struggle if there is a lack of inventory. Yeah.
you um you are in the custom home building business uh you I, I know when i was on your show you told me you've got about 15 million in the pipeline uh of new construction projects and one lot left um it takes, you know, back in 2008, 2009, there are a lot of builders and developers that got slaughtered mm -hmm. because the timeline to get projects done on the development side is long. Given your, you know, your kind of thoughts on fact, we may be coming off this gravy train soon. Are you going to slow down on the con new construction, custom home building side, development side yeah. um, to, to prepare or are you ramping up? Where's your head on on that? Man, I'm going in pretty, pretty hot and heavy. But the cool thing is, we really have a pre-sale model. So a lot of our stuff is pre-selling custom, and we we will never have more than four or five specs on the ground. And I keep them strategically in a price point. Like there's two of our four specs. If I needed to, I could lease them out as family rentals, and I would be fine. So really, I only have two risky specs on the ground. One I just got an offer on, and one's just in foundation. So I really will try to, because I want to learn from that. And um, where guys got out of hand is they had million dollar specs, $2 million specs. And in our market, 800,000 and up, and they had 10 or 12 or 15. And they had, a, I mean, cause they were chasing 05, 05, people were killing. And, and that's, so we, can, we, we have some things in place where we'll never have more than four, four specs on the ground. So if I need to unload them or rent them out, I can. Something that just crossed my mind is it's, you know, it's fascinating. Texas A&M publishes all the real estate data for the state of Texas. Yeah, it's right here. That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, they're right here. I, I know the guy who's leading it and running it. And uh, we've had him come speak at our office. And he's, he's, he's a sharp, sharp guy. He does like a business conference every year. And you can go in and kind of see his data and see his analytics and see. And, and, and right now, there's still probably about a 24-month runway based on what, what I'm seeing, what he's projecting. And it could keep going, man. If we keep picking up big companies the way we are in Texas, mm -hmm. I think we're going to be a misnomer or an outlier to what may be happening in some of the markets. Yeah. Terrence, for anybody that's listened to you talk and, they're, and they, they can really connect and relate to you, where can they learn more about, you know, how to get involved in your ecosystem or be a part of your community? Where would they go to learn more about you and get connected with you? Yeah, man, I would say um, my website, terrencemurphy.com. That's probably the easiest place to find me. And, um, and the podcast you just released, The Real Estate Entrepreneur, um, they can find that on, assuming iTunes, Spotify. Yeah, dude. So we just released the podcast last night. We dropped five episodes. I think I already got 35 star reviews, which was pretty cool in 24 hours. Nice. Um, and, uh, but yeah, The Real Estate Entrepreneur with Terrence Murphy podcast. It's on Spotify. It's on Apple Podcasts. We actually even have a YouTube channel so you can see it visually. Some people are visual. Um, and that's going really well, man. We're 24 hours in on that. So you can check me out on the podcast, my Instagram, most of my social media is just Terrence Realtor, T-E-R-R-E-N-C-E -E -E, Realtor. And then obviously TerrenceMurphy.com. Cool, man. Hey, before we go, I saw you uh, uh, chunking the football in your house on Facebook to your son. Um, do you think you've got a uh, future Hall of Famer? I'll say this, man. Like that kid is crazy. All my kids are very athletic. My wife was an athlete too. That's just a God-given ability. But I would tell you a three-year-old who can run and catch like that, he just turned four. So he's, yeah, <laughs> if he wants it, he can do it, man. He's going he's gonna to be better than his dad. He already got a D1 offer, bro. <laughs> Penn State sent him a full ride letter. 
oh, the man. head coach at Penn State was my receiver coach at Green Bay. And he seen that he was like, I want to sign junior right now. Here's a here's an offer. So yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. Hey Terrence, thanks so much for being on CEO Secrets for you guys tuning in. Uh, if this is your first time tuning in, be sure to hit that subscribe button and uh, check out Terrence's uh, podcast, The Real Estate Entrepreneur. Terrence, thanks again so much. Um, it's it's a privilege to speak with you. It's just an honor to meet you and your wife. And uh, you guys are some amazing people. I hope we get closer as the years come on and um, you know get to know each other more. So thanks again for being on the show. Bro, thank you for having me. Congrats on everything you're doing. Appreciate you. Want more CEO secrets? If so, you can get a free copy of my book, The Million Dollar Real Estate Team at www.themilliondollarrealestateteam.com for free. Inside this book, you'll find my top secrets that we've used to net $1 million in just three years.